Welcome to the podcast at thatguitarlover.com. I'm your host, Ross Chevalier. Hello, folks. If you're a regular listener to the podcast, you already know that this is the second in a series on topics needed for home recording. This time, we're going to delve into the digital audio workstation, or more colloquially known as the DAW. In the beginning, digital audio workstations were just that, a dedicated computer system with its own dedicated software that could record music to hard disks instead of to tape. Recording to tape requires a developed level of skill and lots of planning. Tape is indeed a wonderful thing. However, the number of simultaneous tracks that could be recorded was quite limited. Initially, there was mono, single track, and then stereo, two track. But the desire to manage the signal levels from different instruments or microphones necessitated more tracks. So the four track system was a big deal when it came out because it was able to isolate the vocals and the drums from other instruments. Each track could be then be processed independently or tracks could be mixed down to a single track on another recorder. This was a very common practice by folks like the Beatles in making their very powerful and sophisticated sounding records on what was, in today's world, pretty simple environments. The setup does get complex and it gets expensive. If you find films of old studios, in fact, you will see that the engineers wore lab coats and had to be technically brilliant just to keep everything working in addition to their other skills. Les Paul really initiated the idea of home recording and became an early master in the idea of multi-track recording. His ideas serve us well today. The DAW is software that can record multiple tracks into a single piece. You can add and remove tracks as you wish, and there's no degradation to any existing track, unless, of course, you delete it or overwrite it. Unlike tape, storage is extremely inexpensive, and you don't have the cost of maintaining the mechanical equipment. DAW software gets configured to grab the signal from the inputs of your interface, interfaces we talked about last episode. The number of inputs on the interface will determine the number of tracks that can be recorded simultaneously. In order to maintain maximum audio quality, most all DAWs store the recordings as uncompressed individual audio files per track. One of the beauties of a DAW is that you can add tracks after the fact. For example, you might be a singer-songwriter and want to record your guitar part first and then record your singing while listening to the guitar track in headphones. A DAW makes this very, very simple. You could also add a bass track while listening to the tracks already there, or even record additional tracks of instruments to back up your main instruments, or record additional vocals as harmonies to the original vocal track without ever overwriting the original vocal track. DAW allows for more flexibility at recording time as well. While one is always best advised to rehearse and prepare for any recording, the ease of setup and getting to record is very quick, so you can put ideas down very quickly. 
This is the same idea as recording to a personal cassette recorder, as you've seen in videos featuring Keith Richards or The Edge. Both created many songs at home, but would then re-record them in studio. With a DAW, if you have a great track, you can use it as many times as you wish. You can even mix several tracks down to a stereo track to be used later or elsewhere, and these are called stems. This ability has enabled musicians to work on a song or project together while never actually being in the same room at the same time or even on the same continent. Whether that's good or bad isn't what we're talking about. I just wanted to make you aware of this capability. When we record in our DAW, we may not need a lot of external processing at time of recording because all DAWs have the ability to add processing after the fact. Perhaps you want the sound of vocals recorded with a particular channel strip and preamp, such as a Neve 1073. You could certainly buy one and fit it into your console, or you could record direct to the DAW and add a Neve 1073 plugin. One example might be the Andrew Sheps 1073 plugin as an example. Mr. Sheps is a Grammy award-winning engineer and producer, and a Sheps plugin will get you great sound very quickly with no expensive and rare outboard gear required. However, you may not want to apply a plugin directly to a track, so DAWs can create auxiliary and bus tracks where you can send the signal from a primary track and then put your plugins on the bus and thereby easily control the level of the effect independently from the main track. This allows for the recordist to use both a raw track and an effects track together to create a summing mix that includes both into a single track with no impact at all on the originals. Speaking of effects, there are more plugins available than any of us could ever use. Perhaps there's a particular studio sound that you want, or you want to leverage the style of a particular engineer and producer. When it comes to recording, the real stars are the engineers and producers, as well as the sound of certain studios. Maybe you like the sound achieved by Chris Lord Algae, so you would get yourself a set of CLA plugins. Or you really want to record at Abbey Road, but the cost is prohibitive. There are excellent plug-in sets that put the sound of Abbey Road Studios and its equipment right in your DAW. By now, you've realized that the DAW does more than just record sounds. The DAW can also be used to create virtual instruments using a MIDI keyboard or using clips that come with the DAW. Logic Pro from Apple, as an example, includes a number of virtual drummers and many different drum kits. Maybe you want a saxophone as a supporting instrument in your song, but don't play saxophone and don't know a willing sax player. I'm lousy at the sax, and the ghost of Coltrane will never have to worry about me at all. However, using a saxophone virtual instrument and a MIDI keyboard, I can put together a saxophone track that supports the song. While I personally always prefer live human musicians, some musical styles are built entirely in a DAW. You get to choose your own route. Once you have your tracks together, 
You can then use the dot, edit the tracks individually, making sections that repeat, or allow the ability to punch in live to overwrite something that went wrong. Maybe the timing of the various players is not always perfect. Tools like quantizing can bring tracks together in time, and the better quantizing functions allow some level of slippage so the tracks when played together don't sound too pristine. And for the folks who couldn't hit a note with a hammer, there's always autotune, which when used effectively is almost invisible. It doesn't have to be all that warbly annoyance that you may have heard, because not everyone wants or needs to sound like Cher or T-Pain. It also means that some folks who are really not very good singers can get by. I'd always rather have a great human vocalist who can sing in tune, but auto-tune can be there to help fix minor errors. When you finish your editing phase, the same DAW lets you move into the mixing phase, where you start to work bringing multiple tracks together, controlling their levels, and managing the equalization of each track in the context of the entire song. There are tools that help you automate mixing, or you can learn to do it yourself. Both work, but for some of us, a manual mix process is really creative and can be very fulfilling. After you've finished your mix, you're ready for mastering. The final step in the production of your music This takes your mix and mixes it down to stereo or surround sound and can also prepare it for specific audio playback schemes. Mastering is very much a learned skill, and this is why some songs just sound great regardless of the music. It's because the producer or production team really have the skill. In addition, in mastering you will set output levels for how the music will be played back. There are different level requirements required if you're going to stream, or web playback, or broadcast. And you can produce multiple outcomes from your mix through mastering that delivers content for different delivery mechanisms. A tool that I recommend for someone learning the skills for mixdown and mastering is Ozone from Isotope. It can help you get started, and as you work with it, you'll learn how to do the work on your own if you wish. As you want to practice skill development, you can find and often get with the DAW a number of samples recorded at different tempos and you can start building your own virtual songs using them while you learn editing, mixing, and mastering. As in all things, proper practice is important. If you want to understand what goes into the process, there are a few authors that I recommend that you look into. They typically have videos, but personally I absorb the content from a book better because I can experiment while learning. I've gotten a lot from the training materials of the massively respected engineer, Bobby Osinski. A very recent release is a book dedicated to home recording, written by Warren Huart, uh, the guy who runs Produce Like a Pro, and Jerry Hammack. It's a superb book, and I think if you can only get one, it's the one to get. You may be wondering now what DAW to use. There are a few DAWs that are free. Although, personally, I find most of these become limiting very quickly. For me, a DAW that is easy to use and doesn't require a recording engineer degree is optimal. 
I think that for Windows or Macintosh, if you're willing to spend a bit of money, Pusona Studio One Artist is a great place to start. Delivers a ton of power and upgrades right into Presonus Sphere if you leap down that rabbit hole. Of course, if you do have a Macintosh, you get the world's simplest DAW included in the operating system, and it's called GarageBand. Contrary to comments from people who have clearly never used it, you could produce a record with GarageBand and its simple plug-in kit, and folks have. Plugins scare new folks because there are literally thousands of them out there. And most all DAWs come with a decent set of plugins. And I would encourage anyone to start with what you get with your DAW before looking elsewhere. Only when you have exhausted the plugins available in getting the sound or effect you want will I even recommend looking into external plugins. Waves Audio just introduced a subscription offering as an alternative to their perpetual license model. That can be a good way to get exposure to a wider library of plugins, and most plugin makers offer some form of very short free trial to see if you like what they have to offer. Universal Audio is slowly migrating their set of plugins to their Spark subscription service. They have fewer plugins than you'll find with Waves Audio, but most of the UA plugins are coming from their internally built series that used to require dedicated universal audio hardware. They're great, but again, try the ones that come with your DAW first. I hope you found this episode helpful. While a DAW may seem massively complex, working through it one step at a time, going step by step, makes it easier. And there are many DAWs that include tutorials to get you going. In the next episode in this series, I'm going to dive into monitor speakers and headphones for home recording. Always feel free to send an email or post a comment. I read and respond to all. As always, thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the articles and the podcast so you get notified when a new one is posted. I'm Ross Chevalier, and until next time, peace.